Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church. It's such an honor to have you here tuning in with us. Hey listen, if you're a guest with us, so glad you're tuning in. You can text in so we can get to know you a little better. We'd also love to invite you to join us in person on Sunday evenings at 4 p.m., through the month of December, leading up to our Christmas Eve services. We'd love to get to know you. Everything's safe, sanitized, and super awesome. Can't wait to see you there. Hey, guys, I'm super excited to go into week three today of our series on Chasing Carrots. And by the way, welcome to December. Whoa, that got here fast. And welcome to December in 2020. So hopefully, you know, everything is going in a direction that is life-giving to you. Hopefully, uh, the hope of the season is beginning to elevate your spirits. And I hope that the conversation today can do the same. I'm really excited about it. Earlier this week, um, I saw a post from my friend Luke. And he posted this picture here of literally hundreds of people. Guys, this is mind-blowing to me. Hundreds of people standing in line waiting to summit Mount Everest, the tallest point on the planet, and there's a traffic jam, okay? You thought 25 was bad, you thought 36 was bad, there is a traffic jam on Mount Everest, and apparently this is becoming a a pretty normal thing where there's what what used to be just an incredible feat for for a very few people, amount of people, now it's becoming kind of normal, and and again, not not to like take away from the significance of this, right? Like, this is unbelievable. And what's crazy is in the line here, as they were waiting when this picture was posted, seven people died waiting in line to get to the summit. I mean, this is just profound for me and and crazy to think about. And so again, not to diminish the significance of summiting Mount Everest, because uh, that's probably not going to make it on my bucket list. I think this this idea, it speaks to the, the drive of significance and approval that we see in our culture. And again, again, there's nothing wrong with achieving and building and succeeding and, and, and being great or accomplishing great things. But, but what I'd like to invite us into today is maybe it's time that we rethink greatness. And specifically, I, I think we see this in the life of Jesus, that he would over and over again um, deal with conversations of greatness when he was talking to his disciples, right? They would argue about who was greater, and he wouldn't diminish wanting to be great, but rather he would take a moment and redefine what it means to be great. And so we see this one conversation where they're arguing about who's the greatest, and Jesus says, guys, listen, you know that most people, they leverage their significance, they they leverage their influence, they they, they leverage their power for themselves. But man, it's it's not going to be that way with you, Jesus says. He said, not so with you. He redefines greatness for them. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first should be your slave, just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, talking about himself, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, Jesus redefines greatness for us, and this is not 
again, to diminish wanting to do big things and wanting to accomplish great things. But I think it is an invitation to make sure that the great things, the significant things, the things that you and I chase after and run into, that they have a bigger goal than ourselves, that there is a, a greatness attached to the love of others. And so here's my question that I'd like to start out with today, and it's this, that what, what if we pointed our ambitions at helping others flourish? Again, not, not to diminish the, the size of that ambition because, man, I, I think we should dream big. I, I have huge dreams for myself and for my family and for our church and for our city and for our world. But what if we continually brought our minds back to and pointed our ambitions at helping others flourish? And here's the good news, and here's what Pastor Luke said earlier this week. He said, the good news is this, that you don't have to wait in line for that kind of greatness. Bam. And then he posted his picture of, you know, Mount Everest. And I was like, oh, my drop. Right. That's really good. So I, I just want to invite us into a bigger conversation today and ask the question, hey, does anybody struggle with, with approval and significance? Does anybody struggle with the chase of getting more approval? Or maybe you're one of those people that chases after significance because you don't have approval. And so then you're going to achieve significance to show the people that didn't give you approval that they were wrong even though it's kind of like backwards approval, right? You see what I'm saying? Like, we all have these weird motives internally in our heart, this constant chase that seems to never be fulfilled. And it's in relationships, it's in our careers, it's in our families, it's in our potential families, it's in our looks, it's in everything that we chase after. It's in our Instagram profiles and, and on Facebook. And, and we have all of these categories of, of chasing after significance and approval. And, and I, I just would like to think that I'm not alone in this. And so I want to give you three struggles, if you will, connected to approval and significance. And I just want you to see if you see yourself in any of these. The first one is this, that you, you, you might struggle with this if you obsess about what other people think, right? If you're like when you're getting dressed, you, you just kind of start to freak out about what other people are going to think about what you're wearing. To be fair, I let Danielle dress me consistently because I can't handle the pressure <laughs> of dressing myself. I'm lucky if my shirt ends up on the right side of my body, much less if things match and it's not because I'm colorblind or anything like that. I just don't have it all together. But what, what, obsessing about what other people think, you know, it comes out in, uh, um, you know, you're in a text message and, you know, maybe there's a little bit of, of confusion in a conversation you're having and all of a sudden you see the little bubbles pop up and they go away and they pop up again and then they go away and then they never respond and they never say anything and you're like, I, I know you were going to reply and you didn't do it. And are we okay? Are we good? What happened? I still have words for you, whatever it is, right? Maybe you obsess about what other people think. To be honest, whatever category it falls in for you, um, this can be an area of vulnerability for me. A lot of times before or after a message or mostly both, I'll go to Danielle and, and I'll say, hey, hey, like, how did I do? Did I do okay? And, and I'm looking for approval and, and I need to know, like, hey, did, 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 was it funny? Did they like me? Like, did it come across well, right? It's this need and obsession for approval. Maybe it's an overly sensitive uh, um, disposition toward criticism that you struggle with, right? That, that you, you simply fall apart. You just crumble under corrective feedback. No matter how harsh or, or, or light it's dealt out, right? That, that for you, maybe 100 people can give you a compliment and one person gives you a little bit of criticism or feedback. It doesn't have to be monumental, but it's the one thing that you remember. It's the one thing that you just have a meltdown over. It's the one thing that crushes you instead of the other 100 compliments that you got, right? And I'd be lying if I don't fall into this category as well, um, but, but you and I struggle in that area. Or maybe you just have a hard time saying no, 
Maybe you have a hard time saying no. And, and, and for, for you, this is your means of avoiding conflict. This is, I'm going to say no because I don't want to deal with the relational conflict. I don't want them to think, you know, I don't like them or I don't want to, you know, deal with the tension of what happens when I say no. And so then I'm not going to say no, but then I'm going to have internal resentment and frustration and I'm going to be exhausted because I say yes to everything, even though I don't want to, but I'm going to do it to avoid conflict and I'm constantly overcommitted. I don't know what it is for you. These are just some examples of, of ways that we struggle around approval and Significance. Now, let me give you a verse out of Proverbs 29, verse 25. Check this out. The fear of human opinion, it disables. You ever, you ever felt disabled by what other people think about you? Just like totally frozen by that weight? But trusting in God protects you from that. And we're going to talk about that for the rest of this message. And maybe you're tuning in, you're not a follower of Jesus. I'd like to encourage you. This is not, you know, just some super spiritual, uh, um, feel-good message of, you know, hopeful ideas that don't actually work. There's some, like, real practical things that you and I can do when it comes to trusting in God that genuinely takes the pressure off of the chase of approval and significance. But I want to go back to that first line, the fear of human opinion. It disables. Other translations use the word uh, uh, cripples or, or snares. And, and that, that Hebrew word that's used here is literally a picture of an animal with a hook in its nose. You've seen like the pictures where, you know, there's a hook and maybe an ox's nose or something, and that's how you lead the animal around, right? He's saying that the, the fear of others, the, the opinion of what others think, leaning into constantly wondering what people think about us, it's like being an animal pulled around by the nose. You see this image, right, that, that you and I get hooked so much on what other people think, that we get pulled around in different directions, and it's so unhealthy, and it never ends, and there's just constantly something else that we start chasing after. And so I want to invite you. There is safety. There is protection. There is a release from, from that kind of damaging relationship, and we got to find it by trusting in God. We're going to look at that today. So here, here's what I want to um, invite you to think about. If you and I are going to be the kind of Jesus followers that love well and serve well and look like Jesus and think like Jesus and respond like Jesus, then, then we've really got to press into this reality that it is very difficult. This is from Craig Rochelle. It's very difficult to be focused on others, which is what Jesus invites us into, right? That's the release. To be, to be, a, to be great, to be a leader, we've got to focus on others. He said it's very difficult to be focused on others when you're focused on getting others to focus on you. <laughs> You, you catch that? Let's, let's say it again. It's very difficult to be focused on others, to serve others well, to lead others well, to love others well. It's very difficult to do that when we're focused on getting others to focus on us. Right? You know this is true, that, that, that it's, it, it's, it's one or the other. We can't do both simultaneously. And so I want to invite us into a conversation that allows us to process through finding release from the chase of approval and significance. And uh, I, I want to tell you about a guy named John the Baptist. He was the cousin of Jesus. He was a little bit of a weird dude, and he was really, really popular for a minute. So um, God sent John the Baptist to kind of prepare the way for Jesus. He gets this huge following telling everybody about the coming Messiah, tons of influence, tons of popularity, super awesome, cool thing happening. And then Jesus shows up which is awesome because that was what it was all about. And John's ecstatic about it. And all of a sudden, all of the crowds and all of the influence and, and all of the amazing things that were happening in the sphere of influence for John, 
all those people started to follow Jesus. And, and here's what happens. The guy, some of the influencers and some of the leaders that were with John, they were like, hey, 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 John, everybody's going to Jesus instead of coming to us. And they were upset about it. We're like, man, we worked so hard for this. We got such an awesome following. We had so many Instagram followers. And now they're like jumping accounts and, and they're following Jesus. And watch John's response. John, John says, man, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. Right? He's perspective. He's like, listen, when it comes to greatness and that perspective, it's nothing wrong with doing significant and great things and having lots of influence. But he's saying, just recognize the source, that it comes from God, that God made you and allowed you to have that privilege and that influence. But then look at John's response and ask you, man, I don't know about you, but this would not be my response, even though I, I probably should say that it would be just naturally. It wouldn't, I would want to be like, hey, how can I be famous alongside Jesus, <laughs> right? How can I be significant and carry the approval? Like, yeah, I led the way for that guy, right? I'm kind of a big deal too. But John says, I'm filled with joy at his what? Success. Everybody say that word, success. Everybody wants success for themselves, but how hard is it to celebrate the success of someone else in your same field at that same time? So hard, so hard to say those words. And John says it just like it's, it's nothing for him to watch. Watch where it comes from. This is so amazing. John then says, guys, listen. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. Jesus must become greater and I must become less. Listen, the release that you and I need from, from the chase of approval, that need to please, that chase for significance is found right here. The invitation in a relationship with Jesus that he must become greater, I must become less. Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. This is really easy to, to say. It's easy to get tattooed on your arm. It's way harder to live out, right? Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. That's the invitation that we see in the life of of John. So let's, let's flesh this out for a minute, okay? Let's talk about motives. Let's talk about the motives because the motives behind our approval, the motives behind our pursuit of significance, that's really where all of this is going to rise and fall, right? If we don't understand our motives, if we don't really dig deep and be honest with ourselves, we're never going to be able to see a shift in this. It's going to be superficial and we're going we're gonna to pick apart things on the outside that don't actually affect the heart. But, but we can tell, right? You listen to John's words, that, that's got to be a heart disposition, there's no way he could say that and mean it unless it was already inside of him, right? Later, John would say, man, I'm not even worthy to tie the sandals of Jesus. And you know what happened for John? It wasn't that he was insignificant, right? You recognize that. John was not insignificant, but in comparison to Jesus, in comparison to what Jesus came to do, in comparison to what Jesus would do for John himself and the entire world, John would just say, man, I'm nothing. Because I'm nothing without Jesus. You, you see the difference? Right? Humility, one of my favorite definitions of humility is not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less. You see, you see the difference? Right? It's, move, it's removing myself from the picture and allowing God and others to be the forefront. So let's evaluate our motives. Ask yourself this question. Number one, who are you representing? Right? When it comes to approval, when it comes to significance in your home, career, friend circles, where you live, work, and play, just think about every relationship that you have, every circle of influence that you have, and in those circles, who are you representing? 
man, this hit me so hard earlier today. I was thinking about who I represent in my home and, and the priority that I, I represent there. And, and the easy answer, right, like the, the cheesy, like if you're a follower of Jesus, answer should be like, Jesus, right? Like Jesus is always the answer. Listen, don't, don't do that. Don't give the cheesy answer that you know it's supposed to be, even though it's not the reality. Like ask the question, really, who do you represent really? Like think about it. When you make a post, when you, when you show up to an event, when you, when you start talking in a circle of, of coworkers or friends, when, when you are serving someone, who are you representing really? Be honest. Because for me, most of the time, it's about me. The posts, the words, the jokes, the, the way I engage, the way that I present myself in a room, whatever it is, any scenario that I put myself in, more times than not, it's about me more than it is Jesus, right? Operating in the back of my mind is, do you like me? Do you approve of me? Am I valuable? Am I likable? Right? There, there, there's a script in the back of my mind looking for approval and looking for that stamp of significance. And if this is you and you find yourself in this arena, I want you to just press into the words that we're about to read from uh, Paul, one of uh, the apostles and one of the followers of Jesus um, in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Here's what he says. He says, we collectively, followers of Jesus, we are Christ's ambassadors. That word ambassador, it, it literally means the highest ranking diplomat from, from one nation to another. It's, it's the highest ranking diplomat sent from, from one nation to another as a representative. And what Paul is saying for you and I is as followers of Jesus, the moment, regardless of how significant you think you are or how much influence you think you have, the moment you become a follower of Jesus, you become an ambassador. That you are sent as the highest ranking official of the kingdom of heaven to represent Jesus to the world around you. Do you hear the significance of this statement? And watch what happens. He says, God is making his appeal through us, through me, through you. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Right? The, the whole point of the good news, the whole point of Jesus is God reconciling the world to himself, that Jesus would come to bring everybody back into relationship with God. And he's saying, all of us, we have the privilege to represent Jesus to the world. But then you got to ask the question. More times than not, who, who do you represent? Just, just default. Who are you representing? Because, man, for me, it's, it's me. But think about this. Listen, what this means for you and me is that when I walk into a room, when you walk into a room, when you walk into the office, when you zoom in, when you see your neighbors hanging out in the alley, when you see some friends at a park, when you're hanging out at the bar, when you're having a game night, when you go home for Christmas with your family, or whatever dynamic you find yourself in, when you walk into a room, light enters the room because you're an ambassador of the one who is light. Do you see this? When you walk into a room, hope should be entering that room. When you walk into a room, life is entering that room. When you walk into a room, joy should be entering that room. When you walk into a room, peace should be entering that room. Let me ask you a question. How often do you walk into a room and those things follow you? Man, this hit me hard because I'm like, whoa. I don't know that I can always say that when I walk into my home, those things follow me but it's because I'm worried more about myself than I am about representing Jesus to my wife and my kids. And this is an invitation, not to feel bad, 
but to realize the privilege that I have and the access that I have of the one living inside of me, right? That we're representatives of God, that what I say, what I post, what I do, my body language, my attention, what I engage in, the way that I honor people, everything that I do is an opportunity to let other people see the love of God. First question. First question is that. Who are you representing? The second one is this. Whose approval matters most? So not only are you, who are you representing, but whose approval matters most to you? Think about this. And again, the easy answer is it should be Jesus. Okay, let's just not, let's not sit there because it's, we all know that that's not the case for our hearts on, on a normal day. You, you and I have the tendency to live for the approval of others and the accomplishment of whatever we deem successful and significant. Right? And, and psychologists tell us that the need for approval, the need for significance, it's connected to past injury and neglect. I want you to think about it for a second. It probably doesn't take you hardly any time to identify things in your past that, that are related to injury and neglect that influence your need for approval and your chase of significance. Right? There's chances that somewhere in your childhood you felt insignificant, you felt unloved. Maybe you had parents who were difficult to please or there was a standard that you couldn't meet. Uh, maybe you were, were rejected by friends. That, that's where I find a lot of my root of, of the need for approval and the chase of significance. Right? At some point, maybe you just felt overlooked. That There's these different things psychologists tell us that lead to that need to please, that chase of approval and significance. And there's these scripts running in the background. Do you like me? Do you recognize me? Do you validate me? Do you accept me? Do you love me? Right? We're looking for these things in our relationships, in our future relationships. We're looking for it in homes and at, at uh, our jobs and in our circles of influence. And they can be to varying degrees of significance that we are looking for these realities. But Paul says again in 1 Thessalonians, check this out. For we speak as messengers approved by God. Listen, don't, don't miss the significance of this. As a follower of Jesus... We represent, we, we, we speak as messengers, what? Approved by God. Why? Not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus has already done. And that we're entrusted with the good news to let everyone on the planet know about the love of God. And our purpose, don't miss this, our purpose, what is it? It's to please God. Not people. What? I mean, it's black and white right there. He alone, he examines the motives, there it is again, of our heart, right? There's approval connected to our faith in Jesus that we didn't earn, but we simply get to receive, and that's the identity that we get to sit in in our relationship with God. What, what is it? Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. Why? Why? Because he did it all. I did nothing. It's all about Jesus' performance. It has very little to do with my performance. Less attention to me, more attention to him. Less about my name, more about his name. Less about follow me, more about follow him. Do you see this? Right, that we can shift our hearts and minds in this direction, that we are already approved by God because of what Jesus has done, and it allows us to get our focus off of ourselves and on what Jesus wants to do in and through us. Guys, our calling is, is not meant to be around significance and approval. Our calling is to be faithful. It's to be faithful. And guys, listen, I don't know what you hear when you hear that word, but for Jesus, he said, hey, at the end of our lives, he's going to look at us as followers of Jesus. He, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
I don't know how you define success in your life, but I need you to hear me that God's definition of success is so much more important. It's not well done, good and famous servant. Well done, good and significant servant. It's well done, good and faithful. And here's what I need you to hear me say. For some of you, uh, you really struggle with this because you don't, you don't give weight to what God says about you like you should. And so some of you, man, you serve faithfully and consistently in and through City Church and in the world around you. And, and for you, not many people know your name. Not many people see what you're doing. But I need you to hear me. Jesus, he knows your name. He sees what you're doing. He honors you and the investment that you make. It is noticed and it is applauded. Right When you give and you give and you give sacrificially, when you serve those that are underprivileged and you give of yourself and your resources and your time and your energy, Jesus said, what you do to the least of these, you're doing it to me. Right? There might not have been this broadly applauded uh, thing on, on earth when you serve the least of these, but Jesus would say, hey, I need you to know it was absolutely applauded in heaven. I noticed. I saw it. It is significant. Right, that our approval is connected to what God is doing in and through us. Some of you, man, you're, you're incredibly generous and you're consistent and you tithe every month, month after month, year after year, and you wonder, man, is this significant? Is it, is it making a difference? And, and, and listen, Jesus would say, I see it and I'm honoring it. And I'm celebrating it, and it is making a difference. Some of you, you get into conflict, and you turn the other cheek, and you wonder, man, would it just be easier to blast them and to be unloving and just let them know how I feel and and do it in an unkind and unloving manner? And Jesus says, listen, I see your humility, and I see that you're faithful, and it matters. Guys, you have to tell yourself over and over again, the world might not know my name, but Jesus knows my name. And it's not just that Jesus knows my name, but I know his name. And his name is above every name. And because his name is above every name, I don't have to worry about any other names. Right? That it's, it's not about what other people call me. It's about what he calls me. Right? That I don't have to live from the approval of others, but I have the privilege of living from the approval of of God. This is the release. This is the opportunity that you and I have to, to lay down the chase for approval, to, to lay down the chase for significance, and to leverage our lives for the glory of God and the good of others. That I operate out of, of a, a place of privilege, that Jesus did it all for me. I did nothing to earn it or deserve it, but I can gladly give it back and give it away. And for some of you, you're not followers of Jesus and you're pressing into this conversation and you're listening and you're, you're searching for significance and you're constantly looking for approval and, and there's this thing that's been missing. It's constantly missing and you keep trying this relationship and that job and this pursuit and that thing and you're like, maybe I can get it here and maybe I can get it here and maybe I can get it here and I need you to know the invitation is to find it in Jesus. There is a hole, there is a gap and it's meant to be found in a relationship with Jesus. That he gave his life for you in your place. He died and rose again, proving that he was who he said he was. And he can do what he said he would do. That in the same way he changed my life, he can do it for you. And it's not just being saved to performance or, or, or to, you know, religious isms. It's being brought back into a relationship with God where you're called a child of God. 
a son of God, a daughter of God, and you are approved by God. And all of that is found in and through Jesus. And if you're at a place today where you say, Drake, man, I want to take a next step. I want to, I want to move in that direction of, of starting a relationship with Jesus. You can text the word follow to the number on the screen. We would love to help you take some next steps. For the rest of us, let's, let's check out these last couple of questions here. And I just want you to reflect, okay, because this can be all over the map for us as far as where we struggle. So let me ask you this question. What areas, what areas have you been faithful that you undervalue? And what truth, guys, don't miss this, what truth do you need to remind yourself of this week? Some of you, you're struggling because you're worried about what other people think and you're not listening to what God thinks about you. And there's an opportunity for you to be full of life and joy and peace and purpose by reminding yourself of that truth. What would it look like this week to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of others? Where is it that you've been struggling? Where is it that you're elevating performance and significance and trying to show up in a way that brings validation to your soul? What would it look like to, slip it, to, to flip it this week? And lastly, how are you going to intentionally represent God over yourself this week in every circle that you show up in, where you live, work, and play? How are you going to represent God? When you walk in the room, how, how is it going to be known that the love of God walks in the room with you? How are you going to make that transition? Listen, it's the month of December. We have the privilege of inviting our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors to join us to hear the message of hope this Christmas Eve in person or at home. And I want you to take advantage of that opportunity that wherever you're walking, you're representing the only one who truly offers hope and life. And this week, God wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of others. And lastly, friends, take a second and watch this video of an incredible opportunity we have to be a church that is continuing to be in the city and for the city. Love you guys. See you next week.